I just would love everyone to have the courage to be themselves and to love themselves and to share themselves and to know that that sharing, especially the sharing of those imperfections, of those vulnerabilities, is the greatest gift that you can give the world. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. Petra Page Mann is the co-founder and storyteller at Fruition Seeds. Growing up in her father's garden, Petra believes each seed and each of us is in the world to change the world. Her passion, curiosity, love of food, and love of people led her all over the world studying seed, song, and culture worth celebrating. In 2012, she co-founded Fruition Seeds with her beloved partner, Matthew, to share the seeds, knowledge, and inspiration gardeners crave to amplify our individual as well as collective abundance in our short seasons. Petra, welcome to the Off the Grid Biz Podcast. Why, thank you, my friend. It's a joy to join you. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, how did you end up here? What's your life story up to this point? I really like to eat and I've been fortunate enough to eat a lot of wonderful things and somehow it just keeps happening. And so I aim to share all of those seeds and all of these meals with all the people so we can all keep growing. I grew up in my father's garden here in the Finger Lakes of Western New York. And if you had asked little seven-year-old Petra what (laughs) she loved to do, I wouldn't have told you gardening. I also wouldn't have told you brushing my teeth. It was just something that we did. And I took seed saving for granted as well. You know, if you want to sow some seeds, you should save some, right? (laughs) Like what's so special about this? Uh, So I'll profoundly be so grateful for that gift that my father gave me my entire life. And in, as I, you know, became a teenager and became more aware of the world around me and really just deeply concerned um, by the patterns that I was seeing, I realized that agriculture was kind of this intersection of a lot of my passions of being outside, of eating, but of also like soils and justice and all of these wonderful things. And seeds are kind of the seed of it all, right? Seeds are this just epic metaphor to me of just the growth, the potential, the capacity to adapt and change and kind of that like gift of our ancestors and how we can become good ancestors. So I spent um, over a decade working in kind of the organic seed world, um, working on farms and also for seed companies. I've worked for some of the smallest seed companies in the world, also one of the largest. And it really galvanized me to, you know, decentralization is so important. You know, there are oaks all over so many continents, right? But there are so many different genus species, so many subspecies. And And the oaks that we have on this ridge above me are distinctly different, even within that subspecies, from five miles down in in the valley. So 
we must do the same thing as humans with our economies, with our you know, businesses, with our hearts, with how we communicate and organize. And so our centralized, highly commodified seed system, food system, you know, it's not broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do, which is exploit <laughs> the marginalized um, people that have been so profoundly exploited for generations, for millennia. And so part of what that looks like, you know, is, is decentralizing and um, really taking care of, you know, <laughs> thinking locally thinking globally. Um, but have we started fruition seeds in 2012 to kind of respond to our immediate inspiration and also just necessity of creating regionally adapted um, seeds for short seasons um, and sharing them widely. There's so many, I used to, when I grew up in my father's garden, I thought our season was too short for watermelons and that we couldn't grow peanuts. And turns out we can totally grow watermelons and we can totally grow peanuts, but we can't grow most of those varieties. Most of those varieties are developed for peanuts for down south and for <laughs> watermelons for California, um, for the central, basically if you live in the central valley of California, all of the seeds in the world are regionally adapted for you. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't live in the Central Valley of California, you're probably going to grow up in New York State thinking that you have too short a season for watermelon. And so I'm really motivated for people, but especially the little people growing gardens these days to realize that they can totally grow watermelon. They can totally grow just about anything they want, of course, outside of papayas. And of course, there are exceptions. But it's amazing to me what I, the constraints that I thought of as a child 30, 40 years ago, that simply they don't need to be constraints. And so we have dedicated our lives, among other things, mountain biking, dancing, <laughs> making sure that we all have these privileges in the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's fabulous. That's great. You, so you went out, you started Fruition Seeds. How did that happen? Tell us a little bit about that journey when you first started out. Yeah, I mean, every seed has its own journey, right? Um, for me, it's that I'd, I'd been dreaming for seven years actively, actively passively about starting a business and starting specifically a seed company focused on regional adaptation. But it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm a very kind of etheric, spontaneous um, kind of creator. And so for me, it's a, like, what are the skills and what are, how do I orient my inner compass to do this work rather than what's my, you know, 40 page business plan. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, how do I set my, get my lawyers and a ducks in a row? <laughs> so, so for me, it was very, um, a hard centered and just like, what are the both the hard, soft, soft being the real skills of, um, developing the relationships and the connections, um, and interconnections that are going to be crucial to moving this forward. And so then, um, when I met Matthew Goldfarb, my partner, um, um, in life and in business and love and all of the above. He has been in, in ag for several decades and he has an MBA as well. So he, 
I, business had been a four letter word for me prior to meeting Matthew. And one of the many reasons I fell in love with him is that he helps me to see that business is actually right. And like marketing too, had been this epic four letter word to me. And Seth Godin, among other people, just really cracked open the concept of marketing and helps me see that there's so much greater capacity for it. And in fact, marketing is just change. How are we being change makers in the world? And business is just another way to frame a vehicle, right? It's just another way to house a seed so that it can take root. So yeah, Matthew has so many skills and it was really, it was honestly quite challenging, Brian, because I was like, am I falling in love with you because I'm falling in love with you, the human, or am I falling in love with you because you're obviously the best business partner I could fathom? So there was existential crises ensued. (laughs) And they only, you know, continue to unfold in new and exciting, terrifying ways. But um, all told, um, he's an amazing partner and um, business and marketing, as well as seeds are profoundly transformative ways to understand ourselves and the world. And if we're hanging on to, you know, if the seed just insists on saying a seed, it's never going to fruit. It's never going to make more seeds. And so in the same way, when I recognized that my conception of what business was, was not serving me, was not serving the world, there were not going to be more little girls growing watermelons <laughs> in zone five. I was like, oh, <laughs> we can change this. So yeah, other people um, meet each other and nine months later, 10 months later, there's a like little person in the world. And Matthew and I met um, 10 months later, we signed an LLC um, and Fruition Seeds was <laughs> born, if you will. When people ask us if we have children, we say yes, and great, great, great grandchildren. <laughs> and you can eat them if we think they have a sense of humor, which I know you do. Here we go. So that's a tiny snapshot. Oh, that's fabulous. That's great. So you guys got everything started, and so many of the the things that you were dealing with were the things that I think so many people, especially in this space, deal with when they get into that frame. It's like, how do you take the spirit of where I'm coming from and work it into this, this box that I see business as, you know, this very mm-hmm. confining thing or marketing, put it beautifully there. Um, how'd you find your first customers? You know, there's a lot to be said for community. And I feel really fortunate because I grew up in this little town in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes. And our first customer. I mean, I gave away, I don't even know how many thousands of packets of seed, of seeds that I had saved sometimes for a couple decades. And then I like made my own packages, you know, just like calendars and other fun things that I like cut out and like scotch tape to make little seed packets. And I like, I love to draw. So I had all these like pointillisms of seeds and like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like character caricatures of themselves. There's a lot of hilarious seed packets out there in the world. So I gave away thousands of seed packets to all of my friends and in our community and just well beyond so many rippling iterations out. And I've been dreaming about it for years and kind of actively, I'm a very um, passionate person and also an extrovert. So I'm like, what are you thinking about? Here's what I'm thinking about. What are you thinking about? Let's think about these things together. So I, it was no surprise to people that Fruition Seeds came to, into existence. 
people had been watching me for years and had been investing in me, honestly, for years prior, even though I lived in many other places when I would come back to Naples. And, and total, 25 years ago, if you had told me that I would ever live in this town of 2000, so lily white and fill in the blank, <laughs> I would have said, I have prospects. Thank you very much. <laughs> but turns out, and not, we don't all have the profound privilege, which I see and I will continue to see in greater depth for the rest of my days um, the profound privilege that it is to come from a place that has relatively intact ecology and a deep social network um, and safety net and so you know the land that we farm on was given to us you know, if we couldn't have rented, we tried. And we certainly couldn't have afforded land. So they're all from the, and just people who knew we were out in the fields farming all day long. <laughs> and we literally, they'd be so many times, Lauren would call and be like, I know you're still working and you probably didn't eat lunch and it's well past dinner and the grill is full of beautiful things. Come on over right now. <laughs> so, so many, so many people. How did I find my first customers just being a part of this community and investing in them and they investing in me for, for years and honestly decades just laid that foundation so that by the time it came to the point where, you know, we had a Kickstarter to um, I had $15,000 saved. Matthew also put in $15,000. We raised $35,000 on a Kickstarter that kind of went crazy. I mean, not crazy, crazy, but I mean, we were, our goal was $10,000 and it was just amazing to see you know, the word of mouth is such a, and it's the slow way to grow a business, right? And it's the expensive way to grow a business, but I think it's kind of the only way that actually matters because instead of cutting corners and just like buying up an email list and it's like using those corners as actual connection points to leverage real human needs and respond to them. And if you, you know, Seth Godin, I'm totally a Seth Godin junkie. And he has this wonderful, like, what is your smallest viable audience? and serve them. And if you're not serving the smallest viable audience, then probably you're serving no one. And they're going to know that. We started small and we're still super small. And we have, I have no, Fruition has no ambition of being a high mowing or Johnny's, which are small seed companies in the realm of seed company mentality. And our goal is to just simply, well, first and foremost, to feed ourselves and our family. There's eight of us here at Fruition Seeds full-time and if we're not taking care of that pod of people, then you know we can't take care of the world. But beyond that, it's making sure that the people who are sowing our seeds are also you know, surrounded by abundance, not only by those seeds, but knowing that they're not alone in their gardens and that we're sharing resources and kindred connection with them. So yeah, that was a long drawn out. Um, but first customers for sure was just like, this community that I call home being like, wow, Petra actually did it. <laughs> and then the world. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's great. You talked about taking that first big plunge where you put in some money, he put in some money and you did that Kickstarter. What do you think it was that made that Kickstarter go viral for lack of a better word. I mean, what made that go further than you expected it? Did you have a video on there that connected with people? I mean, what was it? Do you think? 
You know, I don't exactly know. I would love to ask. It's a fun question for all of our folks um, that contributed. But I think, I mean, certainly there was a video and it's awful. <laughs> I, mean, I, I literally can't watch it. And I don't know, you know, I, whether it's Instagram, IGTV, or like our YouTube channel, our website, fruitionseats.com is full of videos. Like I've made thousands of, and not yeah. like now, like, wow, Petra, you're like really natural on video. How do you do it? And I'm like, hours and years of abject pain. <laughs> like that Kickstarter video was the first video we ever made. And it's just, it's so, it's like, watch it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my teeth are getting pulled out of my mouth, <laughs> which makes it pretty priceless, right? I mean, there's, like, so, but I think, I think that, I think a large piece of it, um, Monsanto, so this was 2012, well, really 2013. It was um, was early 2013 is when the Kickstarter went live and Monsanto and like glyphosate and all of this and GMOs were kind of really becoming a very public mainstream conversation. And so I think a lot of it between like, right, I'm so white and I'm blonde. I'm a woman and I'm kind of cute and charismatic. So I have all of those things going for me. Even if I'm really awkward on a video, you're like, oh, that's a cute little girl. And she's doing something that means we have an alternative to GMO is great. <laughs> so I think all of those things, <laughs> um, like Monsanto honestly um, has given us a profound advantage in the marketplace. And even though it's not a, like, I can't tell you like so many people and I wouldn't claim to fully understand GMOs either, but there's a great, great misunderstandings around what genetic modification is and isn't. And, but it's created a lot of fear in people that when people, that fear we could leverage to be like, yeah, it sucks. You don't actually have to know that much. <laughs> <laughs> have the core foundation be, we should think of other alternatives. You're right. Okay. We've got one. <laughs> 1500 of them really um so so yeah i think between our communities and word of mouth just spreading and having some level of just social grace in kind of you know a very modern contemporary america paired with monsanto um kind of coming into its own as the face of big food and just industrialism and corporate colonial commodity at its worst, um, it, all those things combined really profoundly to set us up for being like, oh, good, where have you been all our lives? <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous. So you've done a whole lot of video, like you were saying. Would you say that's the main driver for new people finding you right now, or is there other places that new people are finding you? That obviously via social media and your videos and so forth. Yeah, I, that's another wonderful question. And I definitely, I'm not a analytics person, but yes, so many people find us through our videos um, without doubt. And I mean, at any given social post, um, if it's just a still image, it gets X reach um, and videos, you know, they're just, it's that much more um, compelling to watch a person in a video. So right now, both Instagram and Facebook are really just like amplifying those videos. And at some point that might change. It'll easily get 10X with a video. 
there's a lot of incentive for sure to just be generating that content. Um, and it's just that much more compelling, right? Because then you get to actually have a general experience of me. And so many people, when they meet me, they're like, oh my God, I feel like I already know you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you do. <laughs> and so many people are like, well, wow, you actually act like you do on your videos. And I'm like, I'm not an actress. <laughs> Trust me, I can't act, <laughs> but I can be myself. And that is the genius of the 21st century. And I think the opportunity that we have as change makers, as marketers in like the best possible sense, because these big corporations and even mid-scaling corporations, they can't be human. That's a and they're, great point. They're trying so hard, but they can't. And so what we have, it's, uh, and I'm so grateful that I put myself through all of the torture and I just can't recommend to all of your listeners being like, yeah, that's nice that she's like gone through that process. I don't really like, it's painful. It's awful. It's awful. But do it because it's so real and people will connect to you a thousand times more deeply, a thousand, thousand times. For me, it was directly related to my self-confidence as well. And so I, I think there's a lot to unpack about how we hide and why we hide. And as people who know that the system is... <laughs> is not broken it's doing what it was it's deliberately designed to do which is keep the powerful in power um and disenfranchise and actively exploit the rest of us us using our voices and learning to share those voices in as many ways as possible is so important and that's and video isn't for all of us maybe you paint like there's so whatever it is whatever way but keep challenging yourself like comfort is a quality way to maintain status quo and to not be the change that you want to see in the world. So yeah, finding that discomfort um, and the joy in that is the trick. Absolutely. That's great advice. Very important. You mentioned previously that you're playing toward a very small market, small group of people, and you don't need to go too big. You can stay within that. How would you describe your ideal customer? Person that just comes across you and says, ah, oh, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. So the person that is like, whoa, she's really excited and like passionate in a really fun way. And then is like, oh, and she's telling me amazing things that I never thought of or I've thought about, but she just lays it out in a totally different way. So like the combination of joy, but like, oh, wait a minute, there's some serious wisdom being spread. And not just about like, let's talk about cucumbers and downy mildew. Let's talk about how social justice and ecological justice and language justice and like all, how do those pieces come out in our work so that we're bringing our whole selves. And we're not just thinking like, soil carbon is important, but like, whoa. <laughs> if we're not hungry, that's because there are other people actively hungry on this planet and let's make sure that we're feeding them. And so like weaving all of those pieces together. So the person, ideal customer I'm, that I don't, I think of them as just community because customer is so transactional. Um, but the ideal person that, that we're speaking to and it's, 
I mean, we're like singing to the choir, but also trying to be gentle in it for sure. And like, but very invitational to be like, these are conversations that are so critical and so interwoven. And I loved like post pandemic and then like the murder of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And people are like, well, wait, 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 seeds. Why are seeds now political? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't been doing my work clearly because <laughs> let's have a conversation. So I love that the person that is going to just see us and instantly be hungry for what we're sharing is hungry for justice as well as um, <laughs> fabulous lettuce <laughs> and then, you know, earliest ripening watermelon that they can find. Yeah. Awesome. I could be on and I will attempt to keep myself under wraps. <laughs> no problem. No, we love it. <laughs> okay, let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. Let me talk about what we discuss in the first chapter, determine focus. So one of the main ways that you can Amazon proof your business is by determining the focus of your business. And the real problem isn't that you're not doing enough. The real problem is, is that you may be doing too many things in too many places. So one of the things I suggest is decide whether your focus is going to be acquisition, ascension, or monetization. And I go into the details of what that means in this chapter. It's really the only three ways that you can grow your business. And if you just do that one step of determining focus, you can have a huge change in your entire business. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to amazonproofbook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com slash speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. You mentioned COVID and all the things that have happened since the beginning of this year. We're recording this in, in July of 2020. Tell me a little bit about how that's affected your business, your life, maybe what you're talking about in your videos, everything else. How does that play into everything? Oh, there are so many. Uh, can we have the next hour to just talk about this? <laughs> so many things. Um, where do I even begin? I'll begin it with a fun one. We have these things called seeds and we put them in packets <laughs> and um, we only, the latex that closes the packets only lasts about a year. And so we have this 12 by 12 vault of seeds, um, essentially frozen and like 
millions of seeds inside, right? So we have way more than a one year seed supply in our lives. But because the latex only lasts a year, we only have so many packets. So, and it's mid-March and people are losing their minds and realizing a lot of things among them that spending time in their gardens might be a really therapeutic, delicious, essential way to spend time. Not just a hobby, <laughs> but in fact, <laughs> a deep sustenance um, and resilience. And so we're selling like 10x seeds compared to what um, we had projected. And so as the seed packets are flying off the shelves, we're like, oh yeah, we've got plenty of seeds. We're running out of packets. And in the meantime, our printer um, is not printing. They're not able to function at the time. And so we were able to find 25,000 blank seed packets. There was about 10 seconds where my heart just sank and was so deflated and sad where I was like, I can't imagine. And I'm, if you haven't seen our packets, they're kind of beautiful. They have an original painting on them from our friend Elizabeth and also a beautiful color photo from our farm and just lots of great growing info. And they're just, they're kind of I know every mother has beautiful and brilliant babies and I'm no exception, but they're really beautiful. And so, so the thought of putting our seeds in blank packets was just kind of devastating to me. And then it was only about 10 seconds later that I was like, wait a minute. We have so many amazing friends who are incredible artists who all of a sudden are like, whoa, what do we do in this moment? And so we gave all we paid dozens of artists to create original works of art on all of these packets. And they're just outrageous. There's printmakers and watercolor, pen and ink, and just all, all across the board. And they're so, they're just so beautiful. And so that is, and it's the moment we inhabit, right? It was like, this is, here's the blank slate. What no one would have wanted this. No one wants a blank packet of, of seeds. Um, but all of a sudden it's ours to create and breathe life into and to collaborate on. We couldn't have done that alone. And it was just this community and paying them to do this too, right? Artists are just like farmers are just like so many change makers in our culture not expected to be paid for their gifts and contributions. It was a, a really small and yet really large um, exercise in just how do we make lemons into lemonade um, and how do we pivot and make this a beautiful culture we're celebrating. Yeah, so that's that's one element. And certainly we've been really fortunate in that people are more hungry for what we're sharing more than ever. There's a lot of businesses, including fellow farmers that we know and love who are not having that experience that are, and we have many friends who, and businesses that we know and love who are no longer in existence, even a few months into the pandemic. So it's, um, it's been a really humbling time to be sure. Absolutely. What do you like best on the bright side of things? What do you like best about your business and your industry as a whole, the community mm -hmm. that you've built up? What do you like best about it? I can't do it alone. And of course I wouldn't want to, but I literally cannot. And there's that interdependence of just, you know, you can't grow a garden without just being so integrated into it. It doesn't grow itself, right? And 
Um, and we don't grow ourselves, we grow each other. The thing that I love about it is, you know, as a whole, certainly the conventional chemical seed industry is just like any other industry. The organic seed industry um, is super collaborative and just, it's a really tight knit, awesome community where I can call up all kinds of people from all kinds of companies and ask all kinds of questions, um, whether it's a growing question, like in the fields, whether it's numbers in the books on all kinds of fronts. We're just, just like, we know that there's this pie and it's just getting bigger the more that we all collaborate with each other. And then just in terms of community, it's such, such a joy to share what we love with people we love, whether it's the physical seeds themselves or the knowledge of how to grow them, of how to seed save, you know, like I'm happy to give people fish, but I'd much rather teach them to fish. And I love that we get to do it all. And that it's just this beautiful wheel of give. And I get to, I learn so much from our community and people reach out to us and want to collaborate with us in all kinds of amazing ways all the time. So it's, I love that it's so collaborative and interdependent. Um, and just, there's this sense of collective, generation and regeneration um, that we're all in this together that being said there's still so many ways right that colonialism makes us and I love um, you know Rowan White I when she, I first heard her say a few years ago we are all indigenous souls with imperial minds we all have these um, juicy yummy dreams of collectiveness and cooperation and yet we are like have all of these trappings of what it is to monetize and it's definitely a, a daily struggle to see and hold all of those parts of myself um, but also a great joy to see all of it exists and it's all there and the more courage we have to name them and see where they're coming from then we can start to make different choices that might actually begin to dismantle um, these systems of oppression in ourselves so that we can truly be even more collaborative. Great. If there's one thing that you could change about your mm -hmm. business, your industry, your community, what would it be? Leaning into that transparency, um, into the transparency of collectiveness more so that we would actually hold ourselves accountable in love with those collaborations. And so this is something I really can't stand about our personal like social media feed and our website. It's just really, we shout out people quite regularly, but I just want to be doing it all the time. Like, and because we don't do this work alone, we can't do this work alone. And we have this culture, right. Of rugged individualism. And I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I invented bootstraps and bull crap <laughs> like no <laughs> and and yet um you know like seed companies have this facade of really a century and a half ago they really were generating growing the seeds that they were sharing and now just seed companies are purveyors right there you don't walk into trader joe's and say wow thanks trader joe's what a beautiful farm you have out back <laughs> you know they're a great purveyor distributor of whatever it is that they think you'll buy <laughs> and so most seed companies are that way too um and they haven't really changed their marketing because it's just not sexy to say i'm a middleman <laughs> or a middle woman 
even though we grow 70% of the seeds that we share on our farm, there's 30% of our seeds that we're getting from all kinds of amazing seed growers um, in our bioregion and a few beyond. And so I want to be telling their stories more. Um, so in our, what I would change in us, which we're actively working on and changing in the industry, which I have no control over except myself and hoping that any modicum of success um, that we experience will just inspire like <laughs> seeing that someone else is actually doing it and well and uh, so I'm hoping to be that change um, to just to celebrate our interconnectedness way more because it's way too easy to be like yes isn't this amazing this fruition seeds that we've built no <laughs> it's the farthest thing from Matthew and I and the eight of us that are working here full time, like the radiating ripples of that. And But you would never see it. And we don't live in a culture that celebrates that level of transparency. We don't know how to, we don't know how to share the mic. I want to be um, challenging myself so that we can, as an industry and as a culture, not only share the mic, but be like, oh, right, I stole the mic to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> or like, okay, it was our ancestors. Okay, this is like a 2000 year old construct that's crumbling. So how about we just get rid of it altogether and just sing some songs with five part harmonies? Okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing the mic. I love that. It's a great analogy. If you and I were to get back together, let's say in a year, and we had you back on the show, and we look back over the last 12 months over everything that you've done and experienced with Fruition Seeds, what would have had to have happened in both your business and your personal life for you to look back and really feel happy about it? Mm, what a delicious question. Um, I am really grateful that our team here at Fruition is really diving deep into how are we colonized and colonizing, how are we exploiting, extracting, hurting, harming, and being harmed by the system? How can we begin to shift internally in ourselves, internally in our organization? And we've been sharing these conversations just in little ways, I mean, for years and very actively for the last few months of what does this actually look like? And so it's very internal work that you wouldn't see necessarily in our, um, on social media or like our email list, shameless plug. We have a beautiful organic garden email every week with video tutorials and how to's and it's really fun, beautiful, pithy, gorgeous. Um, so hop on in. I'd love to share it with you. And so you wouldn't necessarily see that internal work that we're doing. I think of it as like, um, we're in this chrysalis stage, which I mean, Seth Godin, says we're it's always the interim so I think we're always iterating we're always in that chrysalis stage we're always the caterpillar we're always the butterfly um, but we're really we're in a really deep process right now of how do we reorganize and including like what does employee ownership look like doing that internal work so that we can do our work in the world better externally that will be subtle so a year from now, looking back, I'll be really happy if we're continuing to do this work and really challenging ourselves to find those growing edges and not just stay comfortable. It's a really dangerous thing to, to be too comfortable, especially as owners, you know, and even though, you know, it's not like 
fruition seeds is a huge business and it's not like we've accumulated like wealth in a more classic sense but it's still ours right and so that like I want everyone I think ownership is one of the pieces that we're really needing to attend to in this time and like we own this land now and we're like whoa 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 no 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 this is indigenous land that like if someone sells you a stolen cow it's still a stolen cow i'll be really happy if we continue to do this internal work so that we can begin to share it more fully with our community wider community so we can begin to do this as a wider culture what obstacles standing in your way of getting there it's just a lot of time and it's a lot of discomfort and also a lot of just people have been trying to decolonize indigenous people have been trying to get us <laughs> to like vaguely see them <laughs> and like 400 years of slavery like there have been a lot of people trying to get us to look see pay attention um but it's still you know like how do we, it's still so easy especially as white people with a certain with all the privileges that we have it's really easy to just um stay comfortable in the status quo that we benefit from the system of us not having these really hard conversations. And especially if we're paying all of our staff to have these conversations, like it's a lot of money. And so it's putting your mouth, your money where your mouth is. And it's, it's a lot. And it feels so liberating to be investing in each other in this way. So we are, yeah, we're constantly the seeds that we're planting in ourselves. So just, an analogy that I always remind myself when I, and I'm constantly like, wait a minute, am I really the person for this job? <laughs> How did I get here? And right, if you want a tomato, you plant this tomato seed that looks nothing like a tomato. And then it sprouts and it's this little thing with like green leaves that are kind of hairy and you're like, I wanted a tomato that like I can put on my sandwich. <laughs> but you're like, okay, I, I get there's a process. So you're weeding and you're watering and pruning and trellising and you're like, what is this? Come on. And the whole thing, right, when you finally get to the tomato is that it's been a tomato the entire time. It's never not been a tomato. I've never not been the person to do this work, but I also can't just stop and say, okay, I made it. I'm comfortable. This is, <laughs> y'all eat your sandwiches now. <laughs> so I'm, I, uh, yeah, there's a fun little tangent. Um, but I, yeah, I love remembering that is the work that we have to do. Just continuing to weed ourselves. And maybe I want a tomato. Maybe it turns out I'm a cantaloupe. <laughs> And then I have to get over the fact that what I was actually attached to <laughs> in growing myself, growing into myself, like if you had told me also 10 years ago, almost when we started fruition, that I would be spending a lot of time on the computer and making videos, I'd have been like, wait a minute, I am a farmer. <laughs> I grow seeds. <laughs> I, we wouldn't always want to be the dream that we're dreaming of and being open to whatever it is that our communities are asking of us, that our inner is sparking in us. Um, I forget your question, Brian. I'm sure it was a lovely one. <laughs> it's okay. I think, I think you answered it. <laughs> Main thing was about obstacles that are standing in your way oh, between really yeah. achieving what you want to in the next year. Just being afraid of the work. Totally. And not wanting to pay the money that it's going to take, not wanting to take the time that it's going to take, because it's uncomfortable to doing this work. It means that you have to change. 
<laughs> I mean, we've all been benefiting from the system. And that's um, Lauren Cardelli, a growing culture. When he said, I, I heard him a few months ago say for the first time, I moved, not the first time he said it, but the first time I heard it, um, if you're not hungry, it's because other people are hungry. <laughs> and, like, and that means that we have to all be more hungry and be willing to eat less, whatever that looks like in that metaphor, right? So it looks like discomfort and being willing to lean into that and be fed by other things beyond the benefits of exploitation and privilege that we have been socialized to think we are superior enough to just accept wholesale that we have what we have because we've worked hard, the whole talk or like fill in the blank narrative, but beginning to say, maybe I can, you know, Anand Giridharadas says, we can be told to do more good, but we can't be told to do less harm. And when we're actually doing this hard work of decolonizing ourselves, we're not, we're doing more good by actively doing less harm. And that means a lot of discomfort. Mm. So yeah, that's the biggest obstacle is just wanting to be comfortable because there's so many other things that we want to be doing and sharing and thinking and feeling. Oh, and not working all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> thinking about all these challenging things all the time. <laughs> um, but so not, not giving it. The obstacle is not giving in to the comforts of the benefits of our privileges. You've weaved in a short period of time a story of transformation really a story of your life and all our lives and how that fits into the whole it, very cool stuff. And we can go on for hours, I'm sure. But <laughs> is there any questions I didn't ask that you'd like to answer? Mm, what a fun question. Whatever it is that you are afraid to deliver on, just deliver. It's not going to be perfect. The messiness is part of the project. The weeds are part of the garden. I see so many people, and it's part of our culture, this attachment to perfection, and especially in an age of social media. And yeah, I just would love everyone to have the courage to be themselves and to love themselves and to share themselves and to know that that sharing, especially the sharing of those imperfections, of those vulnerabilities, is the greatest gift that you can give the world and likely one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. Amazing message, Petra. Thank you so much. What can listeners do if they want to find out more about Fruition Seeds? Yeah, hop on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. FruitionSeeds.com is our home. We're actually creating a new website as we speak. Um, and when I say we, I definitely don't mean me. I'm like, WW what? But we have an amazing team of local creators. Um, and we're creating this incredible website that is honestly very much based on um, Patagonia's website, where they just seamlessly weave in content and products yeah sure you want carrot seed we got carrot seed but like you want to learn how to grow carrots way better yeah it's not easy here's some tips so like making sure that our content um and just so we're giving you the fish we're teaching you how to fish all on this beautiful website so that that'll be coming um in the fall fruitionseeds.com but of course we have a website now and everyone that i'm like we're redoing our website they're like why it's so beautiful and i'm like just you wait. <laughs> and certainly we have um, a farm. And certainly in this pandemic moment, we are devastated to not be opening our farm to humans beyond our pod 
Um, but we have lots and lots of events, on-farm events. My, one of my favorites is our watermelon party every year. We grow hundreds of organic watermelons just for the seed inside. And so every year we have our watermelon in the dahlias party. We also grow thousands of dahlias. We're one of the only um, purveyors of organic dahlia tubers in the world. So we have all these dahlias that are going crazy as we're eating all these watermelons. So it's watermelon in the dahlias and it's just all you can eat all day long and all these people come. And it's just delicious. It's hilarious. Um, we have there, you can work on your accuracy as well as distance if you want to spit seeds. Um, so we have lots of great events on the farm. Post pandemic, um, I hope to share the farm with any and all. And we do lots of formal tours as well. Um, and I do, you know, tons of speaking, whether it's, you know, school groups or universities, garden clubs, book clubs. I love to share my passion. So don't hesitate to reach out in any and all of these capacities. I love to collaborate as well. Um, but certainly Instagram, I think, is probably like the most fun way to hang out with Fruition Seeds on a daily, interactive, engaging basis. So yeah, you'll find us, surprise, surprise, at Fruition Seeds. <laughs> Excellent. Petra Page Man with Fruition Seeds. Thank you so much for being on the Off the Grid Biz podcast. Brian, my huge privilege. Thank you for all that you do and all that you share. It's sends shivers down my spine and I can't wait for next time. Wow. Petra is really something else, isn't she? There's a whole lot more here to unpack, so I think it's worth re-listening to. But let me just bring up a couple ideas that pop in my head. First thing is she's got this genuine spirit about her that I think everyone can learn from. You just see how enthusiastic she is. That enthusiasm is just, it's infectious. But that comes from being genuine. And who you're hearing is who she is. And if you go and you watch her videos, you're going to see the same person. And like she said, if you're going to meet her in real life, I believe you'll meet the same person whether you're sending videos out or whether you're writing emails or whether you're doing podcast interviews, it's the same thing. You're putting that out there and people can sense that you are who you say you are. That's really cool. Another thing she has is just a fearlessness about how she runs her business, which is really neat. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of regret in her, in her voice with all the things that she's done. I'm sure she's made mistakes and everything else, but no regret in terms of the big steps, in terms of the major moves that she's making, seems to have a very high level of confidence. The third thing is, I really find it interesting that you have this seed company, but that she has wrapped it around a philosophy and really making it more of a movement or a state of mind, if you will, you want to talk about something that catches fire with people. Now, it will completely push away people from their thoughts on organic food or anything else, but it will draw toward her everyone that sees things the way that she sees them, or anyone that resonates with where she's coming from. That type of thing is what you should be looking for in terms of your views of things, in terms of who you are, in terms of your confidence, all of who she is, is wrapped inside of this business. And that is why she prospers and I think will continue prospering. I don't think this is the last time we've heard from Petra Pageman. 
She's very interesting, and I look forward to seeing what she comes up with in the future. Join us again on the next Off the Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off the Grid Biz Podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on this show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success.